That's right, from 1993 to 2023. Quite a few things have changed, have they not? Yeah. So this week we tear down Super Mario Brothers in two different flavors, perhaps the strangest adaptation of all time, and the latest movie to completely take over the world. Absolutely. So, I ask you, Meredith, when did you first learn about a character named Mario? Okay, so I remember my dad was super excited for the Super Nintendo to come out. And it was my birthday. And like normal, my dad wanted something and it was my birthday. So he could take two birds with one stone. Yeah. He could get something for himself, but also for me. Sure, sure. (laughs) And I remember him buckling us up in the car and driving us to the Walmart to get the Super Nintendo. And it was a big ordeal. We brought it home and I got to stay up late to, to play it. Yeah. And my dad loved it, obviously. And I loved it. It, it was, We got a copy of Super Mario Brothers with the game. Yeah. So, yeah, it came included. Yeah, it came included. So that was my first foray into loving Super Mario. Now, I played the NES version. Sure. With my friend Tanya. But it wasn't until we got the Super Nintendo where it was like, it was like a big ordeal. It was like a big family thing. Yeah. Very cool. I like that. I like that. I, I know how excited your dad was for game. It still oh is for Oh my God. Yeah. So, like yeah he, he is was definitely a two birds. He was on the that. cutting edge of like <clears throat> entertainment like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was very strange for a man his age to be into video games really at the time. And he yeah. still is. He still games. Yeah. 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 He, still play, he still plays quite a bit. He's playing this weekend. Playing more Halo. Still playing Halo. Yeah. He picks a game and sticks with it for a few decades. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So at least he has that. I was given a NES really early on. I think I saw the initial ads and I wanted one. And I think my grandparents bought it for me. And obviously, you know, Mario was the pack-in game. And pretty early on, I I fell in love with Mario. I don't have it anymore, so there's nothing of value in my parents' house. But there's like a Nintendo Power number one with Mario on it. Mario was like Mickey Mouse to me as a kid growing up. Yeah. He He really was. I always loved the games, even how weird Mario 2 ended up, the masterpiece of Mario 3, and then, of course, you know Super Mario World that I loved when Super Nintendo came in, the game that, that got you to come along. But I've loved Mario you know, for an incredibly long time, and I played a ton of the games you know, over the years. I was just showing our daughter a touch of Super Mario RPG, a, a sort of obscure game from the late, late SNES era uh, where Square made a, a Super Mario game. And it's as cool as you might think it is. This character is ubiquitous for me. It seems kind of strange to go back to 1993 and think about where Mario was as a character mm-hmm. all the way back then. Yeah. You know, this movie began pre-production. Only the NES is out is when this movie is in pre-production. Yeah. The Super Nintendo probably hasn't released quite just yet. So, you know, you're only talking about three games. And, and that's really three main games and a few guest appearances. So there's not a lot to really base anything off of. Mm-hmm. Like this is really, really early on. And I don't think we'll have an adaptation that we can sort of talk about that. Like till, till we get to Ninja Turtles. Cause they make that movie pretty early on too, to catch that trend, like right as it was hot, you know, and, and they, they certainly caught Mario while it was hot. He never really cooled. He just stayed a big character. But I mean, that was really early on in gaming. If you really think about 1993, mm-hmm. which is sort of weird to think they were like, man, we got to turn this into something. I can remember going to see this movie with my sister and her boyfriend because, I mean, it was advertised, and I think they wanted to get a laugh out of it. And, of course, I, I, I wanted to love it. You know, I had seen the trailer, and I was initially weirded out by the trailer 
because I didn't really understand what I was seeing. It's very 90s. Yeah. It couldn't bleed more 90s than this trailer right now. It sounds yeah. 90s. I got a feeling we're not in Brooklyn no more. Yeah, because the game has a very clear and distinct look. Even Super Mario Brothers 2. And the movie, like the trailer, is like oh, very dark and dirty. <laughs> like nothing about it screams Super Mario Brothers to me as a kid. But you know, I was incredibly excited still. You know, it seems like a grittier version. Of yeah, they're already Mario. getting the gritty reboot yeah, in 1993. It's reboot gritty. Exactly. So, yeah, we saw it. My sister hated it. Her boyfriend, I think at the time, a guy named Renee, I think he thought it was kind of funny, but I was not happy at all <laughs> when, I, when I walked out of the theater. Neither was I. As, as, I, as I, I was sold that, that movie. Do you remember when you first saw it? Not really. I pretty much wrote it out of my brain pretty early on. I know I saw yeah. it early. I know I was a kid, but I don't remember when. It's not surprising, you know, there's a lot of people who just sort of even forgot this movie existed in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And I couldn't necessarily blame them, you know, I mean... It, I don't it, think it looked like Mario to me. Yeah, and I think that's that's the big problem. That's that's the big problem with, with the movie. So, yeah, and, and of course, to, to be technical about the movie, we are, of course, talking about the 1993 Super Mario Brothers film uh, starring uh, Fiona Shaw, Fisher Stevens, my favorite fake Indian guy from Short Circuit. Samantha Mathis, Dennis Hopper, John Leguizamo, and of course, Bob Hoskins as Mario. Mario Mario. One of the few things out of this movie that got to be canon, by the way, mm -hmm. is him proclaiming the character's name to be Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. One of the only things. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Not, nothing else from this uh, really stuck. So this movie was brought to us by Rocky Morton, Annabelle Jankel, and they had done really limited work before getting into this. I think that the story for this film and how it got to be done so early really begins uh, with a man named Roland Jaffe. Mm -hmm. And he basically, this was once again, the late eighties, early nineties was a wild place. He was able to just contact Nintendo directly without like being a studio or any really way, any real way to make a movie and just say like, give me the rights. I will give you, I will make Mario the Batman 89 of whatever year we make it or put it out in. Like, that's what he pitched them. We'll do that kind of adaptation to Mario. And Nintendo was like, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, I can't stress how much Nintendo was just like, eh, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll take the money. They weren't, this wasn't, Nintendo, like, when this project got going off the ground, they might have gotten a couple of pictures and been like, okay, sure. But this is not something that they were overseeing in any way, shape, or form. You know, these guys were just really able to do their own thing. Nintendo just didn't really care about that. They were focused on games only. And if this was going to happen independent of them, it was going to stay independent. Mm -hmm. of them. So he goes and he begins basically this whole quest to, to get a, a Mario Brothers movie. And I, I think it's very interesting in the screenplay elements where this sort of began. He got an Oscar winning screenwriter, uh, Barry Morrow, to actually take the first attempt at this. And let's say right off the bat, that sounds like a good idea, right? Yeah. To get a really good writer to do this. He apparently turned in like a brother character drama road trip movie. Yeah. Yeah, is is what That's he, what I read. Yeah, is what he handed them. You know, he had just written Rain Man. So the, the joke around the production studio was they called the script Drain Man mm -hmm. because it felt a lot like that movie. 
And obviously that's not very Mario Brothers. So they really tossed that out. You know, maybe they circled a couple little script ideas that, that were in there. But for the most part, that one was thrown away. You know, it was far too serious. So after that, Jim Genowin and Tom S. Parker, they were brought in to do a completely different adaptation. They had a very good angle on it. They wanted to do kind of a Wizard of Oz style thing. Mm-hmm. where like you get these guys going to a fantasy world and discovering all the crazy stuff and having a big fun adventure, which I think is a pretty good idea if you're going to try to turn this into something back in 1993. Well, do it kind of like the games. Yeah, like yeah, and that's what it is. Mario just ends up in this world and he has to work his way through and out of it, you know, and save the princess or whatever it is he's doing on, on that installment. And I, I think, you know, by all intents and purposes, you know, good call to really go that way and this actually gets they got a ton of momentum here there's production art there's pre-production storyboards they even started working on some of the effects they actually made some plastic molds and things like that uh, latex molds of some of the things they were going to create and build they had a director attached greg beeman he had made an 80s movie that is pure cheese that i love licensed to drive with Corey haim and a very young heather graham mm-hmm. have you ever seen that no that's basically it. He he failed his driving test and he drives around L.A. and hijinks ensue. It's a pretty harmless movie, but for some reason I loved it when I was like six. So <laughs> the random movies I'd catch on Showtime. So he was all set up to direct this movie and they were about to move forward. And this director's latest film drops pretty much a few weeks before they're going to start rolling. And that movie was Mom and Dad Save the World. This is an infamous flop from the early 90s. Yeah, I've seen this. And this is a movie, it stars John Lovitz. And okay, first off, my opinion. I love John Lovitz. Yeah, I love John Lovitz so much. He can do no wrong. Yeah, he, he really he really can't do he, He's He's amazing. I love the guy. And I, as a kid, loved Mom and Dad Save the World. Yeah, I, I thought too. it was cheesy fun. And I, I've seen it. As a kid, I probably saw it at least 100 times when it yeah. would rerun on, H, on our stolen HBO you know, I would just watch it over and over and over again. And so I, I have such a soft spot and such an appreciation for that film. But like I said, it did terribly at the box office. And he screened this for the executives who were in charge of the Mario movie going forward. And they fired him pretty much right after because everybody hated this movie. And I feel bad because I look at mom and dad save the world. and I'm like, dude, that guy could have made a nice Mario movie in 1993. Like that guy could have figured it out because he had a wacky zaniness that was perfect for that. Mm-hmm. And instead, they went perhaps the worst direction they could have when they ended up going with Jenkel and uh, Morton because they had done Max Headroom. Mm-hmm. And Max Headroom was a, a very popular, if short lived, late 80s show. Yeah, it had some middling success. Yeah, yeah. It was a cyberpunk kind of show. It's where Max Fru- Frewer got his start. Uh, he played the title character, Max Headroom, been a character actor, a number of things, Watchmen, Dawn of the Dead, other non-Zack Snyder projects. But people thought the show was cool if it wasn't necessarily good. So they brought these guys in and they go and they pitch him this dark version of Mario. And all of a sudden he remembers that old pitch to Nintendo role and Jaffe's thinking, wait a minute, these guys, they're my Tim Burton. They're going to give me the 1989 Batman with Mario. I'm going to get that. He could not have been more wrong. <laughs> it was, this was maybe one of the worst directing choices that he could have made and the worst direction he could have taken with this movie. Yeah, he doomed it. Let's get into it. We spent enough time talking about the pre-production, which is interesting in itself. Unless you have something to add about it. No, you pretty much said everything that I would have said. I, I read some of the things that you had said, too. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that's about it right there. I, like I said, I, I remember I, I read this book called Console Wars uh, last year, and Miyamoto just had such a hands-off approach, and like when the movie sucked, he just was like, ugh, whatever, I don't care, I'm not involved. So, like, like I, I know he saw it, but that's it, because <laughs> he took Mario Mario, so yeah. and that's his call, that's his character, so. I just, I would love to have seen Miyamoto's face, just his bored face watching this movie. Maris, how's, how's this movie start? We start with a baby hatched out of an egg. That's right. Yeah. A baby is hatched out of an egg. We have uh, Samantha Mathis. She's running down the street and she drops it off at, uh, at just a church, just some random place. She drops a crystal right in the front of that sucker. Mm-hmm. And a few minutes later, after she is attacked by Koopa or attempted to be captured by Koopa, the baby is born as like the entire subway collapses in mm-hmm. on Mama Daisy. And Koopa, but he's unaffected, apparently. He's fine. General Koopa, he's not a king yet. He's still in the army. He's got the stripes on. <laughs> so this begins the movie. And already, we're, we're, we're not off to a great start. Because the first thing you should know right now is dinosaurs. This movie's all about dinosaurs. Yeah. We, we, we kind of skipped over the opening with Dan Castellaneta, where there's an incredibly poorly animated sequence with dinosaurs. And it sort of gives us a recap on the meteor destroying them. Yeah, they work like three days on that. And it looks that way. Yeah. Yeah, it looks that way. And I want to mention right now, we actually went to the SMB archive and we got the extended cut of this movie, which does not feature that. But that terrible animated sequence is burned into my brain. Yeah. So I will never forget it. Because I remember as a kid, like at that moment, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, oh, no, we're in trouble. (laughs) Like, I I just felt that from that moment. So I I did want to mention that. Once we move past the sort of prologue, we go right into meeting the Mario Brothers. Mm -hmm. And they are struggling in their war against the, what, the Scapelli? Yeah. The the Scapelli Brothers or Scapelli Company. They're not brothers. There's only one set of brothers in the movie. I know you are obsessed with Capelli Brothers. You said this more than once. Yeah, I I don't don't know if that's because that's the guys in Ghostbusters 2, the ones that are in the electric chairs. They might be the Capelli Brothers or very close to them. And that might be why I think that, because I've seen that piece of shit movie also a million times. I haven't seen Mario Brothers a million times. I've maybe seen it six times in my life. Good casting with Bob Hoskins, I think. As Mario. He plays a good Mario. I agree with you 110%, because like when the movie... The movie doesn't do a lot right, but I thought about this anytime because early on the movie has a little love tr- uh, love bit with John Lucasamo playing Luigi and Samantha Mathis as uh, Sam Mathis as uh, Daisy. 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 I want to say Peach, but she's not Peach. They didn't know that back yeah. then. So she's Daisy in the movie. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I wish these two had a quarter of the chemistry that Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo have. I know. Because They're they, like they really, you 100% feel that. The movie takes the time in that weird double date sequence in the movie where we meet Daniela, his, uh, Mario's girlfriend. Very attractive, by the way. Mario's doing quite well for him. I know, right? Failing. That's yeah. like, like, dude, you are bringing it in. And she wants to go to WrestleMania with him? <laughs> God, that's a keeper. So, <laughs> so they make this like storyline about like, Oh, Mario's my adopted father because they want to explain the age difference between them. But it was the one thing in the movie that didn't need any explanation. Like, you never really doubt their relationship, even if there is an age gap between them. They are just spot on instantly from when that movie really gets going. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's the most impressive part of the movie for me. As much as the rest of it doesn't work, 
Like that element really does. And I will say that. Well, it's good to get the good out of the way. Yeah, I mean, it really is. There's a few good in the movie, and I, I mean a few. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have, like, four other things in my notes I'm going to talk about as positives here. Yeah, so we get a scene with Luigi and Daisy, Mario and his woman all having dinner. Yeah, I mean, it just it, it gives us a lot more story and, and setup here that isn't 100% necessary. Now, we did a disservice, by the way, watching this extended cut. Because, yes, there's more explanation. Like we get more. Oh my God. We get more about the Scapelli company and how they're crooked and screwing people over. But I mean, who gives a shit? I mean, because that's all the extended footage. Just like, no, it didn't need to None be of longer. It, matters. it didn't need to be longer. There's, I, I, there's only one highlight I'll talk about when we get there. So far, none of this is Mario, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's plumbing. He's plumbing and his name is Mario. Yeah. He's plumbing and, and Hoskins looks like him. There's a paleontological dig in Brooklyn. Conveniently. Conveniently, there is a so, paleontological so dig. La- laughable. By the way, I, you know that shot of the dig? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that is an amazing uh, matte painting, by the way. Oh. Yeah, because you would never guess that that is not right beside all of New York. But that's in some field somewhere. Hmm. Number two positive, the matte painting work in this movie. All these matte paintings look excellent. Granted, we were watching like a standard def copy, so I don't know how it hold up in 1080. We'll never know because they're, they're, it's out of print now because Nintendo hates this movie. Yeah. But the, all of those matte painting stuff looks really good. But yeah, so they're doing the dig. Doing a dig. Daisy gets taken. This comes like after the date. There's, we got another character that we should introduce, Spike and Iggy. Mm-hmm. Fisher Stevens and someone else. I didn't else. even bother writing them down yeah. because they don't fucking matter. They, they really don't. Their only real purpose here is they've been sent by King Koopa to go abduct Daisy. And they have a couple jokes about the human world. For some odd reason, the joke about the hot dog is burned into my brain. Them throwing away the buns and they say it's dog and eating it. I always remember that stupid joke. But (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I remember that dumb part of this movie. So they do kidnap Daisy, but they also kidnap Daniela before that because they're idiots. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love this, by the way, that they just shoehorn that the Scapellis also have to be involved in the dig. And because they're the ones that sabotage it. Yeah. It's literally the two guys we saw at the start of the movie. They get more time in the extended cut, but nobody cares. And once it's all sabotaged, you get to another scene that I do like when they go to Bob Hoskins and they're like, the Scapellis have sabotaged the plumbing. And like Mario gets ready to do some hardcore fucking plumbing. <laughs> I, I love that scene so much. It's because your dad's a my, plumber. Yeah, my, my dad is a plumber. And like, I feel like that's my dad. So much. there's a plumbing emergency. Get me my tools, woman. Like, you know, that's just the way my, my dad was. And it, may, it always makes me laugh and chuckle. That's another positive I wanted to mention before we get into it. But yes, they, they go down there. They, they fix the plumbing because Mario's an excellent plumber. And bam, uh, Daisy is taken. And there's just like, sand high effect 90s wall right oh my god it's so bad yeah and like it doesn't look great it doesn't hold up well it, it didn't look great in 93 either no. i will say that right now like back then i was like no I, i'm not feeling it but luigi goes through and then when mario goes through we have like bob hoskins going through like 3d hell we have him going through like the reject of like lawnmower man mm-hmm. it's like what he's flying through getting to the mushroom kingdom <laughs> i feel so weird Calling it the Mushroom Kingdom, by the way, because when they land, it is not that at all, right? No, it's what do they call it? Dino Hatton. Dino Hatton. Dino That's Hatton. What it is. Yeah. Some ridiculous bullshit. Yeah, I I prefer Dino York. You don't like that? Dino York. Yeah, you don't like that? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the editor's notes on there. 
<laughs> that, that that they batted around what the hell they were going to call it or Coopaville. I don't know. They just could have called it the mushroom kingdom. There's fungus everywhere. So anyway, I, I know I've, I've mentioned the few goods. Here's another one right now. I want to talk about uh, David Snyder. He was the production designer on this movie. All these sets look amazing. Mm-hmm. They really do. They are intricate. They're well-designed. They is thought and they, they look lived in within this world. And they are completely out of place in a movie for kids in 1993. They're completely out of place with mm-hmm. this film. But they look fantastic. I will say that. Yeah. So they're in the Mushroom Kingdom now. And they get shown around this hellscape. And we meet Koopa. We do meet. We meet by we, Dustin we, Hoffman. Yeah we, yeah, we finally meet Koopa. Which, uh, when I was going through reviews, that's one of the things. Did you say Dustin Hoffman? Did I say Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> yeah, you did say Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's because I said Rain wow, Man earlier. That took you a while to catch. <laughs> yeah, I just I was sitting there and I was like, wait, did you say Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> what the fuck is the matter with you? Well, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So uh Hopper. Yeah, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. Dennis Hopper. Yeah, he wants, two the same. yeah, he's the Rain Man. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, yeah, we get introduced to Koopa. And I do another positive I think is his performance. He's hurt by the material, and I think, you know, he's been on record talking about how much he really disliked these directors. Yeah, a lot of the people, like I was going to say that that when I was listening to all the, or reading all the reviews, is people loved his performance. Like, they thought he was great. Yeah, yeah, and I, he's, he's fun here. He is. I, I think the only things I can criticize him for is sometimes his characterization is weird from scene to scene, but uh, this is a movie with rewrites and inexperienced directors and those things sort of happen. But if you take the whole of his performance, I, I think he does a really nice job because when they get to the mushroom kingdom, I did want to mention one other thing before we get right into talking about Koopa is they have, I think the crystal stolen from them when mm-hmm. they get there, they're, they're held up by an old lady, right? Yes. You know that Super Mario moment when you're playing Mario 2 and an old lady pulls a machine gun out of her walker and holds you up for your money? Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite level. So <laughs> she does this, and they're all freaked out, and she tries to steal the necklace. And then a large black woman comes by and murders this old lady by throwing her in the street. Yeah. And takes the crystal back. This woman's name is Big Bertha. Yeah. She is a big fish in the game. You know that big fish that jumps out of the water and eats yeah. you? That's Big Bertha. Right. And they made her this in this movie. Yeah, I don't get it. That's why I, I just wanted to mention that because they, because <laughs> that's how they don't end up having the necklace, which is the MacGuffin, the super important thing in the movie. They meet Toad and then they are captured. Oh, God, they do meet Toad. Yeah, they do meet Toad. Yeah, we forgot about that. They do meet Toad. Forget about Toad. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not really Toad. He's just a protest singer. He sings an anti-Koopa song and it gets, it gets him arrested and they just scoop up Mario and Luigi with him. I mean, I think the guy who plays Toad does a, a nice job. He he seems like he's in a kid's movie. So he's not in much of the movie, so I, I can see that. it was. I think it was really supposed to be Tom Waits, was, who was actually yeah. supposed to play the part, which would have been so much more to the legend of Tom Waits that he was in this really bad Hollywood movie. But I, I don't think, uh, because they wrote the role down, he just decided to pass on it. So it was a good call by him, but I think it would have been a fun little fact about Tom Waits if he actually would have been in the movie. But it does lead to the interrogation scene. Koopa poses a, as a lawyer for some reason. So he gets Mario to you know, be like, all right, this Koopa idiot. How do we get a hold of this guy? You know, and that's a real fun scene when he calls him a lying snake. And, you know, he has the guards beat those guys, uh, beat the Mario brothers down. And he's like, you said you were a snake. Did I lie? You know, Hopper's really good there. Yeah, Dennis Hopper's good. 
but he has nothing to do with Bowser. He doesn't yeah. look like him. Yeah. He doesn't act like him. Mm. Like, I don't, none of it makes any sense. None of it makes any sense. The only thing that they tried to do was they tried to do weird hair. Yeah, and I think that was their sort of attempt at trying to make him it was lazy. He was. Very yeah. lazy. Like I said, I mean, it feels like they played that first level in Super Mario World, and they were like, dinosaurs, got it. Dude, I know. Yeah. What is the obsession with dinosaurs? Yeah, it's, and, and, and I would say it's because of Jurassic Park, but that actually comes out later in the year. This movie just misses dinosaur fever. It's going to hit in a couple of months, and this movie didn't benefit from it at all. Yeah, well, it's because it sucked. Well, they, yeah, there is that too. But yeah, no, that you feel that throughout. And I think the dinosaur thing, when they thought of it, they're like, oh, and that's a great way to explain how Koopa's a person, or Bowser's a person, because they were interchangeable at this point in the 90s. Yeah. There was no, there was nobody writing canon, guys. Like there were some guidebooks and stuff, but not even Nintendo had said like these are definitive character names. You know, whether you're in Japan or America, no one had done that kind of work yet. So it's kind of a miracle how much this movie. I mean, at least they got like Daisy is technically a character. They didn't, they didn't just randomly make a lot of people up. You know, Spike mm-hmm. and Iggy are characters from the game, so they at least had that going for them. Yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't add to much, but they at least had that going for them. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Ugh. God. I can't believe we watched this movie again. I know a lot of people defend this movie, and I will say it is not the worst movie ever made, but it's, I mean, it's just pretty crummy. It's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is just a crummy movie, a very crummy version of a fun game. So Koopa's obsessed with finding the crystal. Yeah, gotta have it. Yes, everybody seems to be obsessed with this fucking crystal. They need crystal. this crystal, and only one person can activate it. Yeah. And that one person, Donkey Kong. No. Now there'd been a better way to go, but no, that one person's Daisy. Yeah. She gets that explained to her by Koopa. Yeah, because Daisy could also be Princess Peach. Yeah, that those characters. Yeah, those, those are, characters that was a parallel at the time. I think in, in certain versions, it's, it's Daisy. They are two different characters, but even at the time, they were two different characters, but they were easy for normal people to get confused. Mm-hmm. So that's that. I won't hold that against the film. And then we are introduced to the evolution, which the evolution creates the Goombas. Yeah, that, that's how you get them. We get a big whole scene with the de-evolution machine. And this is another nicer scene because we have Dennis Hopper, Leguizamo, and Hoskins all in the same spot. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all together working off each other. And that helps. <laughs> it does. It helps. Anyway, we're like, what, an hour or so into this movie? And do Mario and Luigi look like Mario and Luigi? No, no, no. They're just wearing some regular clothes. Thank you. Yeah, they're, they're just wearing some regular clothes. We don't get a costume change till after all this. 66 minutes into the movie. Yeah, at least in that Morton and Jenkel cut that we watched. Yeah, it was 66 minutes into it. But I, I think in the theatrical, it took place close to an hour. So not that much better. Just saying. The de-evolution thing, we, Toad is turned into a Goomba. Mm-hmm. But not much of one because he's able to turn face later. I don't know. Who cares? Anyway, this is one of the few things of note in the Jenkel cut is there is one extra person put in the in the machine, and he is turned into Primordial Ooze. And what seems kind of cool, the effect isn't finished, so it kind of loses effectiveness, but it might have worked in the movie had they finished the effect. Yeah, it's you just know. like green sludge. Yeah, yeah, and so he just kind of just turns into a bunch of goo. And if you've ever watched the movie, there's just a big pile of green goo there in the next scene. for it Later on in that whole sequence for no reason, and it's never explained. And that's why they cut that. A bunch of people's tripping it. Yeah, like, it, it's a part of the scene. People tripping it. Koopa, when he's put in the machine by the Mario Brothers, is sitting on that guy's clothes as he's in there. So it, there was clear evidence that something happened, but that's sort of the hack job this movie got in editing. 
So they put Koopa in the machine, and nothing of real importance happens. Yeah. Which is kind of strange. Like, it seems devastating to everybody else. But it makes Koopa's eye shift a little bit, and that's about it. He kind of has flashes of becoming de-evolving at later points in the movie, but it doesn't affect him in any way that would make the story a little more interesting. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it it doesn't really add to much. And in the director's cut, they even have some more of that, but it still doesn't add to anything. I want to also mention that the, the soundtrack, the music, the whatever that was, doesn't match the scenes. Yeah, Alan Silvestri uh, did the score, and at times it sounds like a bad Back to the Future knockoff, which I'm, I'm sure it was. You're not always excited for every project you get, but, you know, you, you want the money. I, I would, that's how I would excuse Silvestri's work on this one, because he has an overly cartoonish score. I mean, like, ridiculously cartoonish, Saturday yeah, morning cartoonish score. I think... I think he probably was told that it was going to be more of a kid's movie. And it, it doesn't fit this cyberpunk dystopia at all. No. It works against the movie doesn't. every time. And I love Alan Silvestri. What they wanted from him was the worst thing that they could have said. Very rarely can you say a score really hurts a movie. But them he's running. He's an Oscar nominee. At this yeah. Point. I mean, he did Back to the Future. Yeah. I mean, he's done some amazing films. Absolutely, he has. Roger Rabbit. You know, he's done great work. I hope he did Roger Rabbit. Um, anyway, he, he's really good, but in this movie, all of his music just works against all the aesthetic. I mean, you're talking about all these dark cyberpunk worlds and it's do 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 I mean, it's just this happy go lucky music that just, uh, it just yeah, works against it's it. It's terrible. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- I've, it's very rare. I would say this movie needed a synthesizer score <laughs> or God forbid some orchestral Mario music. Mario and Luigi try to escape the Goombas in the prison. Yeah. I mean, it's a scene that should be fun. Eventually, when Daisy is being escorted through the the castle, she meets up with all the other girls that Spike and Iggy took when they were idiots. Mm -hmm. And Spike and Iggy get upgraded, by the way. They get evolved to being intelligent. And they're intelligent like you'd find somebody smart in like a kid's movie, Mm -hmm. which I do appreciate. Yeah. That's nice. I like that. That they're just, they're using a lot of big words and yeah, he, trying, he, trying to sound smart. He makes them all smart. Yeah. So they, they won't make mistakes like that. Oh, you know, we haven't talked about Lena at all. Lena is a weirdly important character who doesn't really get a lot to do. She's Koopa's girlfriend, I think, right? Yeah, I believe I think, so. Yeah, because she's jealous of Daisy. So that she has to be a girlfriend, I think. Yeah. So she's jealous of Daisy and she's played by... Uh, actually, an actress of note who's actually gone on to do a lot of work. I think that's Fiona Shaw. I really hope that's her. And I, I think this is like her first shot of Hollywood movie. Like, what a slap in the face, right? Mm-hmm. You come to Hollywood and the first thing you do is the Super Mario Brothers movie. But she's an important character because she's the one that'll fuel our third act because we have to get there, right? Yeah. And she's working against Koopa. So after all the big daring escape, the Mario Brothers are in the desert, Iggy and Spike as the smart guys. They go after the Mario Brothers and they bring them back. And there's way more to this, way more in that director's cut of them walking in the desert, arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. It's like a really shitty version of the Ten Commandments of Moses walking through the, the desert. It's just like that. So it doesn't really go anywhere except, you know, I guess it adds a little more backstory to Mario and Luigi, but it's ultimately unimportant. So they're picked up. Spike and Iggy find them, but they're still idiots, even if they are smart. And they use that to get back in the city. And this sets up the whole a sequence of the club where we finally get an entire change for Mario and Luigi, right? Yes. But we get them into non, <laughs> non-appropriate colored attired. 
Yeah, they're not really in overalls or anything. Yeah, Mario's in a big yellow suit. Yeah. Like a yellow kind of leisure suit looking thing. There's a joke about, it's it's somebody's girlfriend's clothes, I think. I, why it fits the both of them, I don't know. It's not important. They look like mustard and yeah, Luigi. Ketchup. Yeah, Luigi's red. And this leads to a whole lot of grinding against Big Bertha in this sequence. Yeah. A lot of grinding for a PG movie. He even motorboats her, doesn't he? He gets his face kind of right in there. He puts his face. He's trying to get the crystal. Yeah. So he puts. Oh, we know his what face he's trying to get. All up in there. Yeah, he's trying to get right on Big Bertha's gills. Does that make it weird because she's a fish? She's. Is there? Is there's no way to sexualize a fish? Is that what you're telling me? Tell that to Kanye West, okay? Tell that to Tom Cruise. Ooh. Dish. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> by the way. The best cut they made in the movie is Spike and Iggy have a rap in the middle of this whole scene mm-hmm. in the club. And I, I was sort of surprised of how awful it is. I was going to grab a clip of it, but I didn't want to torture anybody with this thing. Also, I couldn't find just a clean clip of it anywhere, and I didn't want to go through the movie just to get that and have to listen to it one more time. But that's probably the best cut that they did make. Mario and Luigi get some boots, and they're finally able to jump, and they jump their way out of this whole whole situation and they dropped the crystal on the way out they're actually unable to obtain it lena does and i thought but can i mention i thought this led to the ending but lena gets the crystal taken away again and i'm like oh my god there's another step before we get to the goddamn ending because <laughs> I, <laughs> I remembered you know what happens lena eventually gets you know dies on the meteor so i was waiting to get there and then like the cop takes away he's like oh oh there's more movie I had forgotten about that and was legit disappointed after this scene when i realized like oh shit we're not going straight to the finale from here what do you think of Yoshi? Yeah, because we get introduced to Yoshi from Daisy. Yoshi is fantastic. You like Yoshi? I love how he moves, how the effect looks. It is really well done for 1993. That is the best you could really do a dinosaur pre-CG. The problem is it doesn't look a goddamn thing like Yoshi. That's nine puppeteers operated by Yoshi. 64 separate movements it was able to make. And it, man, it looks it. It's a really well done effect. Like I said, I mean, I wish this was a movie. I wish this was a, was about a property about dinosaurs. I really do. It had the title of the movie not been Mario, and this had not been like a Nintendo venture. Yeah, I would have maybe liked it a lot more than I did. I think it'd just be a weird oddity if it was like a non Mario movie. But it's so not like childlike, or yeah, yeah, it doesn't have any soft features. No, no, no. It's 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 a little yeah, T Rex. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's that's pretty much it. it. It is just a small, like normal looking dinosaur. Like it's an impressive puppet, but well, it fits with this adaptation's aesthetic. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. I think if a cartoonish Yoshi would have came out, that would have stuck out like a sore thumb. So the way they incorporated it in for the movie is good, I guess. And it's another positive on my list. But the general problem with the movie is the style of ad- adaptation they chose to go with. You know, the cyberpunk <laughs> wasn't really the way to go for Mario. Another issue I had with the movie is there's no real sense of geography. Yeah, I don't really know where Cooper Koopa's Tower is at. You don't, like, you get sets. Yeah. You get really cool sets. Yeah. But you don't have any idea where those sets are in the world. That's where the direction comes into play. You know, that's where you have to show characters going this direction and that direction. Now, I know editing can fuck with that, too. But, I mean, we we watched everything they had. So, (laughs) trust me, I can't imagine there's more of this movie sitting in a can somewhere. And even with that being said, you're right. There isn't just a sense of geography in that. I mean, any chance that we could build a little bit more tension 
you know, people just kind of appear and reappear where they need to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, 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 it's almost like a play. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Guys just warp into the level. They have beautiful <laughs> sets. Yeah, they really do. They and even the club. I think the club looks really good. Yeah, Cooper's beautiful. Tower looks really solid. But everything else is. Yeah, it's like I said. You know, I mean, I was disappointed when I found out Lena has to do other things before they get the the crystal back. So because we with that point, you know, Mario, Mario, and Luigi, they go and attack the tower. They turn off all the heating for some reason, right? They're like, "We'll freeze them out," and I'm like, "Well." Are they cold blooded? Right. Yeah. So I was like, well, you know, whatever. I don't care. It's it it doesn't really play anything except it gives them an ice luge later. But at least in the tower, they finally get the uh, fairly appropriate attire. Finally. Yeah. They we get a cool hero shot of them in the elevator. They still don't look like close enough. Mario and it's Luigi? close. I'll take it. It's close enough. Just just they just keep the thing rolling. Like that's the way I felt about it. Just just don't don't pause it. Keep the movie going. We finally got him in the suits. Let's get in there and get out of there. They but couldn't have looked a little closer. They could, well, of course they could have, but we weren't getting that from this movie. I'm just amazed they didn't become like Mario and Luigi mechs. I guess they didn't have money for that. So yeah, we got a whole scene in an elevator. This is maybe my favorite scene in the movie, is where they make the Goombas dance back and forth. Yeah. And it's an appropriate scene for a kids' movie. The only real one that's like in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's silly. The Goomba design is goofy enough to work, and because the Goomba design sticks out to me, like that's ultra kind of goofy looking in a, in a good way though. I like the way the prosthetic works though. Uh, more of the movie should have been closer to that than what what the other stuff that they did. But yeah, they they dance the Goombas back and forth. It's a nice fun scene. You know, it gives for a fun distraction and one of the few highlights I can really pull out of this thing. And it's a throwaway joke. That's all it is. And then Yoshi gets stabbed. <laughs> yeah, so we talked about Lena earlier. Like, her jealousy is, like, at an all-time fucking high. And so she goes up there to, like, confront Daisy. And, you know, she's like, you'll stay here forever. And Yoshi attacks her. And she fucking stabs Yoshi. Yeah. Like, she's in, a like, a Jurassic Park movie. Just, like, stabs a goddamn dinosaur. And he's a cute little dinosaur. I don't. I don't know what I, I mean. Say, I wouldn't call him cute. He, I mean, he is a little dinosaur, so he's kind of cute. But I'd have a Yoshi that that version. I'd have one. Is he going to get bigger? Probably. Maybe not though. Maybe not though. But if he stays like that size, I'd keep a Yoshi. He's all edges. He's all edges. He's all edges. I just. I, he's just all paper cuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why do I keep handling this pet that cuts me? This edgy little fucker. And then. uh... We find out that Daisy's father is a fungus. <laughs> so, yeah, Koopa goes and taunts the fungus at some point earlier in the movie. And he's just, and I like it. He's just kind of openly talking shit to like a fungus prop. And then he brings Daisy later to introduce her to her father and like a ball dr- drops out of it. I That's guess pretty gross. I guess it's supposed to be his head. But yeah, it's a super gross thing in this movie. Chalk up one other inappropriate thing. The fungus looks like, you know, shit. And here's this turd popping out of the yeah, bottom of like it in, in, with the goo. In Mario, there's mushrooms. That's your fungus, right? There's cute mushrooms that are colorful and they do things yeah. or whatever. In this movie, the fungus is like something out of Last of Us. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it kind of is. It, it's weirdly realistic. Yeah. Which, which was not the way to go. That was not the yeah, way Yeah, they should have kept the very, like you said, cartoonish design that the series is known for. And it's weird because in the other pre-production stills from the previous 
fantasy version of it, they had a lot of those props. Well, like, I can imagine. Yeah, they had a lot of colorful mushrooms like in the game. So it's real surprising they went with kind of a realistic look and the nastiness of real fungus. Okay, so we have the next scene, which is Mario and Luigi end up in a white tube, which is supposed to be like the ice. Yeah, yeah. Mario goes to rescue the girls who he finds out are there. So he has to get his girlfriend back. And, you know, they have a scene of them, you know, going down this ice luge. It's an interesting scene only because of this fact. Oh, yeah. The scene where Mario saves the Brooklyn babes and they go through the ice tunnel on a bed, on a mattress, basically. Someone thought they were going too slow, so they cut one of the wires that was pulling them. The crew stopped for lunch, and when they came back, no one checked the rig. They shot the scene. They shot the scene, but they flew out of the tunnel going too fast and out of control. One of the girls nearly fell off, which would would have been a 25-foot drop, solid concrete. Oh, damn. They stayed on, but bumped their heads. Wow. Yeah. They got messed up in that. Yeah. Well, you'd be honest, if you take a look at the the design of it, like, it doesn't look like there's much there besides it being an actual ice luge. Yeah, you could, they could, somebody could have seriously got hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's why you'd never realize sometimes how dangerous a stunt really can be. And, like, I mean, it's not even a cheap movie you're talking about. You know, a $40 million film. There was no stunt doubles either. The only stunt double. Oh, really? That, the only stunt double that did that was um, Bob Hoskins. Well, that makes sense. He's the star. Yeah. If he gets hurt, you can't work without him. But the actresses did that. Oh, damn. Well, you know, they're, they're not that important. So if you schedule it right, you know, you just would do it to win. Like they don't have a lot of days left. So if they get hurt, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> You do it as their last thing. So they die. It's whatever. But yeah, I know it makes sense. You can't hurt Bob Hoskins. You need him in the rest of the movie. And like, you know, that's what your insurance will sue you for. Um, Koopa's girlfriend, Lena, ends up with the crystal after being electrocuted. Yeah, she falls down and like gets caught on the railing that powers all the all the stuff. Lena jams the crystal the into the hole. Yeah. And then... We, we get the universe emerging. And she's instantly killed by this act. Yeah. She is immediately fossilized right in the wall next to the meteor. And the worlds come together immediately. And we get maybe probably one of the eeriest things in the movie is I didn't realize at this point, I I guess like I'd forgotten that Koopa's tower is the twin towers. So it immediately morphs in a destroyed version of the twin towers in 1993, New York. And it's a little eerie to look at today, you know, considering nine 11, but I mean, it, it is just another odd thing that, kind of goes into this movie. I mean, I don't really want to hold it against it or anything, because how could they have yeah, ever they, known? Yeah, they wouldn't have but, <laughs> Or did they know? That would have been way ahead of time. <laughs> but it, it is, uh, it's just another thing to note. They come into the real world, and first of all, the de-evolution machine is like a big deal when Koopa presents it. He's like, we have all this. And then they're able to just convert it into a gun, which is, by the way, just the gun for the SNES. Painted black, I believe. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was called. The super scope or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was a super scope. But anyway, they th- that's all it is. So they shoot Scapelli and his brother, and he is immediately turned back into a chimp. So I loved like the like that horrible like dread of this weapon sort of being played for giggles, right? Yeah. Like a a, a man was just transformed into an ape, and everyone's kind of chuckling about it. <laughs> Like this horrible thing to think about. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's. It's for kids, folks. Yeah. (laughs) Like if you really think about the implications of that. I know he was a bad guy in the movie, but I don't think he deserved to be de-evolved into an ape. 
<laughs> but I said the movie plays it for gags and Luigi and Daisy are able to get the shard out of the meteor and bring everybody back. There's this long, drawn out process of getting that fucking crystal. Yeah, there, that there really fucking is. Hole. You are right. I undersold like how much time they really spend. Doing oh that. my God. There's like several scenes where they cut back to him and they're still trying to get it out of the hole. And they try all kinds of different things. Yeah, the director's cut has more of this, which was completely unneeded because they cut back to. There's more stuff in New York. I mean, none of it's really important, but they, you know, there's this stuff with like a news team that the girls are getting interviewed by and the cops. Don't believe them about Cooper because why would they? But that's stupid. But there's a little bit more to that that's intercut with all that him trying to pry that thing out of there. Mm -hmm. All for them just to, to finally get the goddamn thing out and bring everybody back so we can get to the finale of the film. Yeah. Koopa gets blowed up. Yeah, Mario had started the bomb earlier, which is another one of the few game accurate things. I love everybody's reaction to the bomb, by the way. That's another cool sequence. When he starts it and everyone's like, bomb, and they run away and like the guy who stops and his car tire stops like a centimeter short of running it over. Like that's all kind of fun stuff. And finally something's appropriate to the game. And it does blow him up and put him in a very big bucket where he is hit with the de-evolution gun by yeah. Mario and Luigi. He turns into a dinosaur. Tur transformed to a bad looking rubber dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it is what it is. And then he transforms into ooze. And that is the movie. And Daisy stays. She doesn't go back. She does stay with everybody else. Mm -hmm. Bertha and all those people. Nobody else comes back to the real world except for Mario and Luigi. So they come back and oh God, you have to love it. The movie's ready to wrap up. And what do we get? We get a goddamn sequel tease. Oh, I know. Oh, I, I, I couldn't help but love it. There's a sequel tease at the end of this thing. Obviously, we never got that movie. Also, by the way, at the end of the film, there's a scene where some Nintendo uh, businessmen from Nintendo talk to Iggy and Spike about making a game out of their adventures. Mm -hmm. They admit that they should make it one of the Mario Brothers instead. Why didn't we get that sequel, Meredith? Because the movie sucked. <laughs> I believe this was a forty-five to fifty million dollar film. It kind of goes back and forth about how high about how high the budget was. It opened at number four on, on Memorial Day weekend. I don't think it brought in more than fourteen million domestically. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty embarrassing. Yeah. It, it was a rough haul. The, the movie was considered to be one of cinema's greatest failures and one of the worst adaptations ever and began the video game movie curse. So I have a few actors here that turned down certain roles. So let's go through some. Let's do it. Michael Keaton turned down the role of King Koopa. I would have loved that movie. <laughs> I would have loved that movie. He never would have done it, but I'd have loved it. Just wait. Arnold Schwarzenegger turned down the role of King Koopa. That would have been the worst movie ever made. That would have been like him doing Mr. Freeze as Koopa. We got one more King Koopa. Who do you think it was? Oh, my God. Was Orson Welles still alive? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Who was it? Kevin Costner. Ooh, I wouldn't. Ugh. Yeah. That's awful. He turned down the role. So that means he was seriously offered it. Yeah. And then the last one for Mario, Cheech Marin was offered the role of Mario. That wouldn't have been bad. No. Yeah, if Bob Hoskins would have wised up and, and, and not done it, then it would have been pretty good. Now, Bob Hoskins didn't actually know what the movie was, or what the character was when he took the role. He had, I guess he trusted his agent and was like, listen, you're going to make a lot of money here. This could be like Roger Rabbit all over again. So he goes home one day, and his kids, he tells, hey, I'm doing what we call Super Mario Brothers. Like, oh, that's like the game. And so... They bring him into the living room. They, they show him this game, and he sees this little character jumping around. He's like, that's who I'm playing? That's me? 
And like, he just looks at it and goes, I played King Lear. <laughs> and now I'm just going to be Super Mario. You know, I mean, Bob Hoskins is as British as they come. So th- this role was challenging for him to say the least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, he, he didn't have, he didn't have the faintest idea what Super Mario was. We talked a little bit about the pre-production and the production issues that were on this, that were happened on this movie. Yeah. Do you want to have, hear some quotes from some of the actors? I do desperately want to hear these quotes. Okay. Dennis Hopper. It was a nightmare. Very honestly, that movie. It was a husband and wife directing team who were both control freaks and wouldn't talk before they made decisions. Anyway, I was supposed to go down there like for five weeks and was there for 17. I can only imagine the hellscape that Dennis Hopper thought that set was after like 10 plus weeks of that shit. Why he did the film. This is why he did the film. My six-year-old son said, Dad, I think you're probably a pretty good actor, but why did you play the terrible guy King Koopa? And I said, well, Henry, I did that so you could have shoes. He said, Dad, I didn't need shoes that badly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, man, this movie sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're a fan of it. This movie still stinks. You want to hear what Bob Hoskins had to say? Tell me. Tell me old Bobbo. It was a fucking nightmare. The whole experience was a nightmare. It was a husband and wife team directing whose arrogance had been mistaken for talent. (laughs) After so many weeks, their their agent told them to get off the set. Fucking nightmare. Fucking idiots. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. This is one of those kinds of productions. These guys should never have made it to this level. They should have had another small movie before they even got to trying to do anything like this. The cast and crew disliked Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jenkel um, so much that they had T-shirts made that displayed rude comments made by the directors. Oh, wow. Bob Hoskins lovingly referred to them as the cunt and the cow. <laughs> oh, and those are my facts. Oh, man. Bob Hoskins sounds like the man, doesn't he? Yeah. He and Leguizamo were drunk for most of the shoot, and that's the only way they could deal with those two pricks. I like that they, I just love that they got along so well. Yeah, and that really shows in the movie. It's one of its highlights. This is not a recommend. I, I don't. No. I, if you're a Mario fan, I don't, there's no reason to watch this movie. I, I know that some people have nostalgia for it, but that doesn't make it a good movie, and yeah. it never will be a good movie. It, this is a great example of just the wrong guys, the wrong place, making the worst version of a movie possible. So now we move on to the 2023 version. So yeah, Nintendo refused to do any film adaptations after that debacle. And it took them this long to finally come along and hit us with another brand new movie. Oh, we're the Mario Brothers and Plummins again. We're not like the others who get all the fame. When, when this song hits as the movie starts, I was like, okay, things are going all right. Thank you, Super Mario Bros. It seems like this is what I wanted to hear, you know? Yeah. This is like the old show with Lou Albano. Super service, call or text. I really loved it. I did. So that was a great way to start this movie. It was. And of course, this film does star Charles Marionette. Seth Rogen, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Chris Pratt. Yep. Chris Pratt is Mario. Mm-hmm. So normally, like, you know, we kind of go down a plot beat for beat. This film is still in theaters, so we're, we're not going to do that on this movie because there, there's a really good chance it's going to be a while for a lot of you see it, even though apparently a lot of people already have seen it. So yeah, spoiler alert. 
I won't mix words. I I do not like when a movie panders. And this movie is pretty much 90 minutes it's of fan nostalgia. service. Yeah. 90 minutes of fan service, all sizzle, no steak. There's nothing of substance that occurs within the 90 minutes of this film. This is one of the laziest corporate cash grabs I really can't think of in a long, long time. There isn't anything in this movie I would ever call cinema. Well, I'm going to paint it with a slightly more positive light because our daughter was super excited to see this movie. She was. And I think this movie is aimed at our daughter. It is. This is a kid's movie. Now, I will say that. And the one thing I always say is just because you're a kid's movie does not give you the right to be just a, a really lousy story. But it's Illumination, and Illumination is known for having subpar stories. Yeah, and this is probably one of their most insignificant stories. Mm -hmm. Not one of their worst. I mean, the story is, I mean, functional, but this is probably one of the laziest narratives I can really think of in a major Hollywood movie. I mean, like, name a lesson Mario learns in the movie. Mm. Yeah, I can't think of one. Yeah, I mean, this is really the thing is, you know, we spend a lot of time with Mario and, and, and we don't really learn a whole lot about him. And, you know, we don't get anything to really appreciate other than the fact that he is a Mario that we already all love. Yeah. And the movie is coasting on that previous reputation. If you don't know who Mario is, which seems unlikely, but if you don't know who Mario is and you come into this movie, you're not going to come away with any appreciation of that character. Nobody else in the movie takes any kind of journey. You know, the the princess is sort of the girl boss character she is at the start that she is at the end. You know, there's not really anything different. She doesn't grow in any way. Neither does Luigi. Now, I'm not saying a movie has to have these, but good movies tend to. I didn't like that they split them up. They split Mario and Luigi up in the movie. Yeah, it is a little bit weird if you think it's a Mario it's a Mario film and he does not really rescue the princess. No. Which is a, li- a little strange. She rescues herself. She doesn't need to be rescued, which I found that weird about people doing the anti-woke thing. Because I was like, I don't know, man. The, the Peach is kind of a girl boss in this movie. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't have to be rescued, and that's fine. Luigi has to be rescued. She it? was our daughter's favorite character. Yeah, so that's fine. That doesn't bother me at all. You can make that kind of change. It's it's neither here nor there. I'm just mentioning like it is technically a more faithful adaptation, but that's a weird thing that's not 100% on with, with the games, even though he's not always rescuing the princess. I don't think. <laughs> I can think of a few games where it's not rescuing uh, Peach. But you know, this movie, to me, I appreciated this film's use of the music. Yeah. You know, we had some really beautiful and orchestral versions of some of the earlier Mario themes, pretty much all the way to some of the Wii games as well, Super Mario Galaxy and and the such. But I was really surprised at how poorly the movie weaved in pop music. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I just didn't think that was really well done. I think an opportunity where you have a chance to do something, you know, a little bit more with this game soundtrack or, or just, you know, giving yourself a regular film score, the movie shoves in a lot of old pop hits. And I don't think they really helped this movie in any way, shape or form. No, the soundtrack to me was just kind of there. Yeah. Like I I feel like they were trying to hit some familiarity with that. Just trying to hit more nostalgia on the way out, you know, instead of trying to do that with like said game music or anything like that, or even just like said a score. Yeah. It was a kid's movie, but it it had a lot of nostalgia directed straight at us. Yeah. That's the reason I'm a little surprised there wasn't any other element that might have appeased anybody who's over 10 years old. Yeah. You know, because even if you're 13, there's not a lot of content in this movie for you. That's why I say it's aimed at our daughter. Yeah. I mean, this movie is, is aimed and listen, there's nothing wrong with a movie being aimed at kids. 
But listen, kids aren't idiots either. You no. know, <laughs> not going to take Maya long to realize there's not really a lot in this movie except a character she loves. And that's enough for her. That's fine. But, you know, when she's eight, she might have no use in this movie because she'll know that already. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot into it. There's no reason to to really go deeper into it. And I think that's the shallow thing about it. Like, they're trying to shove in as many references as they can. And and listen, like, I got upset at, like, the Scooby-Doo movie for trying to, like, build, like, a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe in a Scooby-Doo movie. Mm-hmm. Which I thought that was dumb. Who cares about that? In a Mario movie, you introduce Donkey Kong and some of those other characters I get it. Nintendo's a big fucking universe of characters. I can understand them spending more time on that. That seems more worthwhile. You know, obviously Link doesn't show up, but because this movie was so successful, I can't imagine that there isn't a Legend of Zelda movie being written right now, if not being produced at this very moment. Yeah, no kidding. With how much money this movie is. And it's probably already it's probably already being produced, considering how well this film has been projected to do for weeks. What do you think of Donkey Kong and Seth Rogen playing Donkey Kong? I like that. Donkey Kong should be involved in a Mario story. Those two characters are intrinsically linked. Yeah. Yeah. The very, the very, yeah. The very first game. That's uh, that's, I, I love the story of that. Jumpman. That, yeah. You know, the Nintendo, they, they made an incredibly unsuccessful game. They were pretty much hosed in the United States <laughs> and pretty much throughout the world. And they tap on a, a young developer that had Shigeru Miyamoto to see if he can convert the tablet, the convert those cabinets into something they could use or make some money off of and he made one of the most successful fucking games of all time donkey kong because of that those two characters are always connected so i'm glad he's there for that mario story rogan does a good job Mm -hmm. i think so too the the voice work is not the problem even pratt pratt's fine i know everyone loves to hate on pratt but i thought he was fine yeah charlie day was really good on taylor joy you know i mean she probably phoned it in but she's still good and she's on taylor joy she can do that jack black was amazing he was the best part yeah jack black worked his ass off as bowser he was great. The songs, all that was really well done. I like that. Yeah. I was you laughing. Can, you forget he can sing. Yeah. Oh, I never forget. I never forget. I, <laughs> I listen to Tenacious D a lot still. So yeah, I, I always, I always have Jack Black singing voice in my head. Tenacious D was always my go-to at, at uh, karaoke. Yeah, that's great. Cause it's easy to sing along with. It is. You memorize a song like no problem. Yeah. Fuck you was my favorite karaoke. Yeah. Tenacious D song. Oh, fuck you hard. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, I always like tribute. Yeah, I always like tribute. That's such a fun song. Listen, well, this is not just we can't talk about tenacious D. Yeah, sorry. This whole time, I would recommend I recommend this movie over the original, but not by much. To be perfectly honest, like I said, I, I think if you're an older fan, there's not really a lot for you, and that's okay. You know, if you have kids, they certainly will appreciate this movie, and that's why I recommend it higher than the other movie. Our daughter watched the old movie and was just very confused by it. She was so confused. Yeah, so confused and, and very bored. Very bored. And very bored by it. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, this movie has, you know, some value, but, you know, it, it really is only just those references and nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And it's such a shame, too, because with a little bit more work, the movie could have been something that maybe fans would have had a higher opinion of. And, you know, I mean, it is very much just a disposable kind of film. Some cool facts. Um, a game cabinet in the pizzeria early in the film called Jumpman. The character of Mario was originally known as Jumpman when he first appeared in the video game Donkey Kong in 1981. The character was changed to Mario as a tribute to the landlord of Nintendo America's warehouse, Mario Sigali. Yeah, and Charles Marionette plays that version of him. That's what that guy looks like and what he looked like back mm-hmm. then. Many actors in the movie premiere wore outfits inspired by their characters. Chris Pratt and Charlie Day wore matching red and green suits. 
Jack Black wore a suit with the Bowser spikes on the back and flames on the cuffs, and Anna Taylor-Joy wore a recreation of Peach's motorcycle outfit. Yeah, she did. Look great. And then during the Rainbow Road chase, Mario flies off the edge of the road and lands down on on a bottom part of the road to get away. In Mario Kart 64, there was a huge shortcut on the Rainbow Road level where you did the exact same thing. And then designs of Mario, Luigi's parents, and relatives were actually a band of sketches made by Nintendo that were unused in games. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, they had a nice look to them. Like The whole family did, so... Okay, do you want to say anything else before we get into the reviews? No. <laughs> no, to be honest, I'm okay wrapping it up, you know, with that. Like I said, we, we didn't want to go into, like, scene-by-scene scene breakdown or anything like that, but, you know, of the lightest recommend I could possibly give if you have kids, go watch Turning Red instead, or a good video game adaptation. You okay. You Far Cry. <laughs> That's not, don't watch no. it. No. Don't watch it. Uh, Mario 1993, 3.5 user rating, 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. And here is a 10-star review of 93 Super Marios. I remember when this movie first came out, and I remember that the same day I went and bought a ticket to this movie. I also remember what flavor syrup I had on my pancakes, too. But that's irrelevant. I'm going to just sum it up now. I love this movie. I was a big fan of the series. I spent endless hours playing the games. I mean, who didn't? And when I heard the movie was made, my first impulse was to watch it. I even bought it on Box Video when it came. Box Video when it came out. I don't know what that means. It's probably like whatever video service they had where he was. Maybe. Maybe. And now that I get online and see that it's received a 3.4, I want to find everyone that hated it and step on their face. You try it, motherfucker. (laughs) I hear the usual. It's nothing like the game. It was too stretched. Well, okay, let's just pretend it went just like the game. A plumber would appear magically in a land of mushrooms for no apparent reason, step on a couple of shoe-wearing brown midgets, kick a couple of flying turtles into the afterlife, then walk into a castle to find a pudgy little man that says, Well, Mario, you're screwed. She's not here. And then we'd repeat for another three hours. Sure, we'd have to throw in a goofy turtle that breathes fire every half hour just to keep the realism. Come on, people. I'm glad it went nothing like the game. What this movie did was take the storyline and then add in a little more. The comedy was great and the action was wonderful. Who doesn't love Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo in tool belts fighting evil mutants? I personally found the movie fun and hilarious. I'm just sorry that the heartless critics out there didn't feel the same. But see, that's fine in that respect. I'm down with a movie of like Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo just fighting zombies and trying to stay alive, you know, making jokes. You know, I, I, I'll take that movie. Yeah, why aren't they in a movie again? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that movie. Like those guys clearly enjoyed the shit out of each other. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I want to see. So I'm down with the guy in at least that respect. Like he picked the most positive thing about the movie. I think we learned that you can at least do a, bit, a more faithful adaptation, but animation was probably the right way to go. Live action in Super Mario should never touch again. All right. The 2023 movie had a 4.7 user rating, 57% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And here is a... Hold on. We're all holding. She's taking a drink of water so slowly. Her parched lips now refreshed and moist. Gross. You're welcome. This is a... One star review of the 2023 version of the movie. 
Lay it on me. I'm convinced that these directors have never played a Mario game. There are inconsistencies in this movie that I will never go over a bit here. But if you would like more detail, I would make sure to include it in my YouTube video. So this guy did a whole follow-up thing. Dislike. Click. Firstly, <laughs> firstly, they got the most crucial plot element wrong. Peach is the one that's supposed to be kidnapped, not Luigi. One could argue that they are trying to flesh out Peach's character. But why is this movie called Super Mario Brothers when the brothers are not even together 80% of the movie? That's a decent point. Whose idea was it to cast Chris Pratt as Mario and Charlie Day as Luigi? They sound nothing like the video games, and every time they spoke, I wanted to facepalm. It's so off, it's not funny. Why doesn't Ice Flower freeze Bowser when it doesn't not when it doesn't not affect him or any of the other Koopas on the video game? Seriously, get out of your 3DS, Switch, Wii, Wii U, or whatever, and try to freeze Browser freeze bowser during a boss battle on the game it does nothing why is this origin of these two off remember in the original game cranky the original dk kidnapped pauline and mario Jumpman, had to save her yeah that didn't happen also when donkey kong first appeared why didn't they play the dk rap they could have played the donkey kong country snes title theme remastered then i would have cheered bowser singing on the piano was cringeworthy and I don't care how much you want to make it epic. An Invincibility Star only lasts 13 seconds tops, not two minutes. Oh, and those surprise cameos from Charles Martinet? He plays a character who looks like the original Mario. It just reminds me of Uncharted on how they got the original actor just to waste them in a cameo. I can't wait till they make a sequel and cast Caitlin Olsen as Daisy, Jordan Peele as Toadsworth, and Brie Larson as Rosalina. It'll be epic, I tell you. I'd like Brie Larson as Rosalina. I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. Oh, wow. That guy nerded out on us pretty hard there. <laughs> and, and listen, like, I, I listen, I understand. We all have that property. Mm-hmm. Every, every one of us. But dude, this is pretty faithful. And if you want something to be more faithful, man, you're going to be hustling backwards the rest of your life. I mean, seriously. This, I mean, I had issues with the movie. Like, his point about the music, I think, is fair, even though I do like the DK rap. I. Hey, you're talking to a man who 100%ed Donkey Kong 64. Yeah. Because I had nothing better to do. Not a thing. <laughs> the ultimate collected game. But you're not going to find something that's like more true to the product. Like That's at least one thing the movie very much is. It's very true to that product. Nothing is a disservice or a dishonor to the Mario property. Yeah. It's nice to see. You know, it's nice to see. As we've seen a lot of the other video game adaptations. I mean, hell, we've had a Street Fighter movie without any Street Fighting. So, out of all the video game movies... Where do you think the Mario Brothers film ranks? The old one. The old one? Yeah, where do you think that movie ranks among the pantheon of like these bad video game movies that we've covered? Tomb Raider, uh, Street Fighter. <sighs> They're all bad. Middle of the road. Yeah, because I, I think this is certainly better than like Oove Bowl's crap. Yeah. Even though I do have a soft spot for uh, House, uh, House of the Dead. I think that that's the only movie that he did was that was a fun bad. After that, he's like, oh, I can just do this over and over again. Nah, diminishing returns, homie. Like, that's all I can say, because Alone in the Dark is, okay, and then by the time he's at Far Cry, I'm like, please stop. And when he was doing Postal, I'm like, if I ever find you, (laughs) I will kill you. I mean, I don't have any love for that property. I don't like those games at all, but it's just a terrible movie. Also, for the love of God, I'm so tired of seeing Dave Foley's dick and things. All right, well, I think that does it for our show today. Yeah, no, I I really do. I think that, that really ends the show, and I think it's a strong way to end it. Or is it time to end the show? 
Hopefully he's briefer. So this time, as always, I have Mr. Ebert's review on the film, but he is joined by one Mr. Gene Siskel here. Either approach would have been better. Our next movie is a film version of a popular video game. It's called Super Mario Brothers, and it doesn't work at all. This movie isn't either high or low tech enough. It's not as dazzling or as involving as the cutting edge video games that would like to mirror, and it doesn't have the traditional movie elements like compelling characters or a fresh story. I also can't figure out exactly what age group this movie was made for. <laughs> I guess I didn't like it. Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo play the Mario Brothers, two Brooklyn plumbers who fall into an alternative universe where they try to rescue an abducted college student named Daisy, played by Samantha Mathis. The bad guy in this film is a lizard king, played by Dennis Hopper, the movie villain du jour these days. I think he meant Dustin Hoffman. It's melting. We're merging. Some of the minor characters are cute. I like the Goombas, Hopper's helpers with pinheads and big overcoats. Cops! Goombas! Daisy! The Rock! And right there you see the problem. This movie can't decide whether it wants to be a flesh and blood film or a real video game. That kind of chase is boring compared with the urgency of a real video game where you're under constant pressure of time and your quarters running out. It takes a lot more imagination <laughs> than what's been attempted with Super Mario Brothers to make a high-tech movie transfer. Yeah, this movie wasn't imagined no. correctly at the outset. They Correct. didn't start out with a vision of what it was going Correct. to be even before they did everything else. Right. And so you look at the movie and you see millions of dollars on the screen of special effects and all of those customized cars and that other world that yeah. they've created and everything else. And it doesn't add up to anything. No. It's just a line of people running around, all talking at once in a plot that nobody cares anything about. And just every once in a while, a little moment that kind of sparkles. Dennis Hopper is kind of good in a couple of his speeches, but it's a complete waste of time and money. It is, and I think, uh, you know, the timing would have been right with this explosion in infotech or whatever you want to call it. That infotech. Kids are very sophisticated now, and if you could mirror that in some way, you could be a big bonanza. This film doesn't even try. What this movie shows is that it's a lot harder to make a high-tech movie like this yes. than you would think. And when we see ones maybe that we still have problems with, like Batman Returns, it's so much better than this yes. that you you admire it more when you see something like this. Good point. When we come back, Rebecca. De That's what's great about the Super Mario Brothers movie. It makes you appreciate other crappier movies. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because they're like they're not as crappy as this piece of shit. If you'd like to talk to us about more info entertainment, you can do that at grittyrebootcast at gmail .com. That is the most '90s way to get a hold of us. Otherwise, you can look for us at Gritty Reboot at Instagram and at TikTok. And Meredith, what are your social medias? Dead air. I just did a bad radio. <laughs> Dead air. <It's> a, <laughs> just silence. <laughs> She's lost her mind. I wish you guys could see how upset she was when I pulled that Ebert review out. She was, Meredith was already thinking about what she was going to have for dinner. Instead, we had to finish our show for the fans, for the one or two people that are still listening at this point. Yeah. For the love of God, tell them your socials. I don't have any socials. Fuck social media. That's right. However, you can find me at Illusionist13. On uh, Twitter, even though I don't think I'll be on Twitter for much longer. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it gets worse every time I check in. And also, man, I don't give a shit about Twitter at all. I barely even check that account. 
Well, then get off of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna go. There's Instagram and there's other shit. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna go use I'm gonna go use Notes now. That's the new competitor, so I'll try that. You didn't want to try Mastodon. Yeah, I did try Mastodon. I hated that app. Mm. Yeah, never going back. All right, guys. Next week we're gonna be back with more reboots, or I don't know, maybe something special next week. Who knows? All right, guys. Have a good one. Bye.